I told Linda when we left last week, I got in the truck. I said, what now? We've been over a year and a half in this book. In the fleshly mind, my thought was, you're not going to do anything better than that. I mean, as far as the book and the context, not talking about me, but the context of the book. And I hope the Lord put this on my mind last Sunday night, making sure of the day, uh, and praying of where to go next. And as, as we went through the book of Revelation, we see that everything there is Christ and Him crucified. It's all the finished work of Jesus Christ, the providence of God, and our deliverance daily, temporally, and eternally, all for the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. And I thought, or I hope this is of the Lord, it came to me, where do we go next? Well, let's show Christ in the Old Testament was what came to me. I can think of a very precise way to do that by going through the Psalms, some of the Psalms. Um, they're called the Messianic Psalms. If we look at the first Psalm, it's about obedience to the Lord and blessed are those who are obedient to the Lord and love the law. Well, I'm not going into that because my text is going to be in Psalm 2. But just understand that if we are obedient to God, it's the hand of God that makes us be so, whether it's through giving us life or chasing us. But in Psalm 2, and you pray for me, we begin a prophecy of Christ. This is penned by David, I do believe. And it is evident that it's speaking of the crucifixion of the Lord and the finished work of Jesus Christ. He begins with a question. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The heathen, of course, is referred to, as we went through the first 12 chapters of Genesis, the heathen are all of those that are outside of Israel. We had the, those of the descendants of Shem and Abraham, whom God called, whom God gave life, whom God gave revelation, whom God gave understanding of what He had in that day. And all the twelve tribes that came forth from Abraham and Israel and what God did with them. They were all the people of God. They were the manifested as the elect of God, the chosen of God here in the world. The heathen is everybody that is outside of those people of God. If you read a Webster's Dictionary, it describes heathen as being one who is ignorant of God and does not know God, one who worships idols and lives in pagan worship and such as that. We certainly saw that in the world and we certainly see that in today's time and age. And we understand, of course, when we're talking about the heathen, that we're also talking about God's elect from among the four quarters of the earth, from amongst all Gentile nations. But the text is talking about them raging against the Lord's Christ. Why do the heathen rage? And the people, who are the people? They're the children of God. They're the elect of God. What was there in Israel. We could go just about any place in the Old Testament and the New and we could see where God's people rebelled against Him. The very day they came out of Egypt, the very time that God parted the Red Sea and brought them across and Moses went up into the mountain, the people of God rebelled against God. 
That is our nature. They imagined divine thing. Up, let us make us gods. And these are thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. That's the nature of man that we're in through the fallen state of Adam. We are all sinners. But the question is being asked, why do the heathen rage, the Gentiles, in this case talking about the Romans at the time of the crucifixion of Christ, we made mention last week of the book of Daniel. Daniel brings us through the Greeks, Medes, Persians, up to the time of Rome. That's the time Christ was born in the world when Christ was crucified upon the cross. The darkness of that nation, of the heathen, their nature, as our nature is, without the grace of God changing us, is to rage against God, loving the flesh, the things of the world, depravity, Total depravity. So this this is easy to see why, in a sense, the heathen would rage and why the Roman government and armies would hate the Lord Jesus Christ and in fact hate God Himself because by our nature, by our nature, we're all at enmity with God. But the people, why do the people imagine a vain thing? Pray for me, please. If you read the Scripture of the Old Testament without the influence of the Holy Spirit, and we can prove many of them did not have it in Paul's writings in Hebrew because he says the same thing preached unto us today was preached unto them through the law of service, but they was not mixed with faith. Therefore, they did not understand it. They did not know it. Now, to say that gives us an idea of why they would imagine a vain thing. To say that also to make the point that if we read the law and the prophets and the nature of flesh and flesh alone, we would probably be just as they were in natural Israel looking for a king who would come into this world with an army of angels and would destroy the wicked and would set up the nation of Israel again as it was in its heyday after David in the time of Solomon. But we see the result of the works of man with that. The kingdom was rent. And Israel existed no more. All that was left was Judea. But the question is asked, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? They look for God to come back with an army. Therefore, when Jesus Christ came into the world as a servant to God, Philippians chapter 2, obedient to death, obedient to the death of the cross, Back to Zechariah 9 9. He's lowly and just and bringing, brought salvation, bring salvation with him. He did not enter into this world as a king. He entered this world and came to this world as a man without sin and as the Lamb of God. He didn't come with a sword. He didn't come to fight. He did not come to destroy people. He will come again not into this world, but He will appear again as a burning fire and the wicked shall be consumed. But this text 
is talking to us about the finished work of Jesus Christ and where He stood. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. God did not cause these people to crucify the Lord. They did that by their own wickedness. They did that by their own fleshly desires. God suffered that to be. God in His foreknowledge knew from before the foundation of the world, or should I rather say omniscience, what would happen and God took this. God as a way, a means of saving his people when the very people from the nation he was born from delivered him up to be crucified, a cruel death by a cruel nation of Gentiles, those in Rome, the most fierce that had ever been upon the face of the earth at that time, when God suffered that to be, God used that. He, he laid his life down. He raised it up again. I've said this and I'll say it again. We did not have the power to kill him. He is God in the flesh. We did not have the authority to kill him. It was not... It, God suffered that to be. And if you want to believe that God ordained it because God suffered it, that's fine with me. I don't have a problem with it either way. Just remember, God is not the author of sin and confusion. What God did ordain was His Son saving His people. And many of those who nailed Him to the cross were saved in the salvation of Christ upon the cross. But He said, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? A vain thing, an empty thing. He came declaring that He was the Son of God. He came declaring that He was God Himself in the flesh. Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, 14, Matthew chapter 1. Emmanuel, God Himself in the flesh. But in the wisdom of God, in the, in the providence of God, He did not come into the world with an army to conquer and destroy. He came into the world to save His people from their sins and to save us from the, the, the death of sin, to quicken us and give us life, to build a kingdom here in the world. That's such an important part. It's often left out of what most people try to preach and teach. That He said, I come that they might have life, eternal life, and life more abundant here in this world. And in John 10, it's not just to those in Israel and those of Jews that sheep the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. And there's the Gentiles. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Because our nature is wicked. We are left in that state. We cannot recover from it. We are morally bankrupt. We had nothing to do with it. We were at enmity with Him. They railed against Him. His own people and the physical nation of Israel railed against Him because He made Himself the Son of God and He did not come as they expected a Messiah to do. The Romans railed against Him because He caused trouble in their kingdom. The kings of the earth set themselves. Who were the kings of the earth? We find Matthew uh, 27. I believe, if I'm in the right place, where the Lord was delivered up to be crucified. He was taken up before Pontius Pilate, the king, so to speak, the governor, over that state of Rome, which was in the jurisdiction of Rome in Jerusalem. He sent him to Herod. Herod, the king of Jerusalem. Here are the kings of the earth. This is talking of a particular time, a particular place, a particular moment. And yes, it is ordained of God 
We're told about it in the second psalm. We're told about it in other psalms. We're told about it in other places. We can see it in 1 Peter when he's talking about those men of God who were moved by the Spirit of God to prophesy things unto us here today in the New Testament church of the suffering of Christ. That Christ would suffer and lay down His life and raise it up again. He was beaten beyond recognition. He could not be recognized. He could not see through His eyes. They were beaten so badly. His visage was marred more than any man. Beaten severely. This is God, the Creator of heaven and earth in the flesh of a man. This is how much He loves His people. This is guaranteed from before the foundation of the world. Proverbs 8.35, speaking of Christ, Proverbs 8 anyway. I don't know if it's 35. I'll find it in a moment maybe. Proverbs 8, he said, I was set up from before he made the heaven or the earth. I was set up. God was his father. He was and is God's son. He did not become God's son. He has always been God's son. So what was he set up for? He was set up to be the redemption of Israel. He was set up to be the king of kings. He was set up to be the Lord of lords. Men do not understand that by nature. Steve and I were talking the other day about 1 Corinthians 2. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. Had they known He was the Prince of glory, they would not have crucified Him. The princes of the earth would not have turned against Him. God's work described before Christ ever came into the world. The kings of the earth set themselves, that is Herod, and that is Pilate. They set themselves against the Lord Jesus Christ. And the rulers, who are the rulers? We see Caiaphas, the high priest. We see the Jews in the synagogue of that day. We see those who were Pharisees, the self-righteous, justifying themselves by the law. They looked to Abraham, not God. They justified themselves by the keeping of the law, not grace. They were unable to see and know because it had not been given to them. As a matter of fact, many of them were blinded. Isaiah 6 explains that because of their sin. Why are we blinded to God today? Because of our sin. Let's see salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take hope of what all we see today. This is talking about the death burial and resurrection of the Son of God and how God would defeat every king, every religious leader, every, every devil, every angel of Satan and Satan himself. Despite what they do, despite what they think, despite their powers, which are far greater than ours, but you see, brethren, the Lord fights for us. The kings of the earth set themselves and rulers take counsel together. We find in Luke 23 when Pilate found that Jesus was from the jurisdiction of Herod, he sent him to Herod 
for Herod to examine him. Herod had heard of Christ, had heard of Jesus, wanted to see him perform some miracle. We stand in faith. We see a lot of folk today that want to see a miracle. Well, I tell you, it's a miracle we're alive. It's a miracle the world is still here and not destroyed. It's a miracle a child is born in the world and takes his first breath. We don't have to go find the Ark of the Covenant to prove that it is. We don't have to have that cup they drank from at the Last Supper to prove that He's God or He's Christ. We know it by faith. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit. You are born of God. You have no choice in being born of your parents. You've got no choice in being born of God. This is all in the purpose of the election of grace and the sacrifice of this man who is God, Jesus Christ. He sent him down to Herod. Herod examined him. Sent him back to Pilate. The Lord would not even answer. Isaiah 53 is a lamb. Before her shears is dumb, he opened it not his mouth would not even dignify their sinful thoughts and questions with an answer. And in silence, boy, I could learn this lesson, in silence stood before His condemners, those who condemned Him without reason, hated Him without a cause. And He sent back to Pilate. There's your kings of the earth that set themselves... They took counsel together because Pilate and Herod had been at enmity until that time. Here's you a perfect example of how evil works. Evil will eventually consume itself. But these two who were enmity against each other, well, think about it. They're both rulers. They both have power. They both want more and more riches, power. They're against each other. But through their hatred of God and their hatred of the man Jesus Christ, they united together. And the Lord was crucified. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. They are in the garden at Gethsemane. The Lord prayed to the Father if it be possible, let remove this cup be removed from me, but nonetheless not my will but thine be done. His disciples were asleep. They're there in the garden. They're getting up to go. And here comes Judas. Who's with Judas? Officers sent from the council. The council was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was a third sect of Jews called Essenes, E-S-S-E-N-E-S. They were very strict and orthodox. They had no part in all of what transpired in the normal process of religion in Jerusalem because they felt it was corrupted. They were pure Jews in their own eyes. Well, we know that a pure Jew is one that's been washed in the blood of Christ. He is Jewish. He's our elder brother. And we're Jewish in the eyes of God. Ernie made the comment one time, 
There won't be nothing but Jews in heaven and all people looked around and he explained it and that's just so true because we're all Jews. Jew and Greek together in the eyes of God and the blood of Christ, we're all Jew. But my point being, these rulers conspired. They wanted a way to condemn Him. They wanted a way to do away with Him. What did He tell them in parables? God has sent you His Son. You're going to kill your Son and His Son and God is going to miserably destroy you. They hated Him without a cause. He was not the Messiah they expected. He was not the Messiah they wanted. He was not the Messiah they sought for. He was not Abraham. He did not come in the way that they expected Him to come. He declared Himself to be the Son of God. John chapter 5. Yea, in fact, God Himself. And they hated Him. They hated Him. The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together. If I believe that Satan had the power that most people relay him to have in this world, then I may agree with some of the things, and I do not, which we hear. You hear people saying Satan rules in hell. He's got angels and pitchforks and there he torments. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says hell is an everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels and there they shall be punished. He didn't rule and reign. That's a place of punishment for him. And I full well believe that Satan knows and did know what Christ came into the world to do some people would have you to believe that, that, that as Christ laid down His life and was beaten and nailed to the cross of Calvary that Satan rejoiced and the devils of hell rejoiced and, and wickedness rejoiced and all these things. But let me tell you, He knew what was going on when Christ came up to Legion who was, had a legion of devils in Him, the devils within Legion cried out, Thou Son of David. Art thou come to torment us before the time? James said the devils believe and tremble. They gathered together in the wickedness of their nature, both Gentile and Israel, or what was left of it, took counsel together. And he's going to tell us why in just a moment. Against the Lord, God the Father in heaven. We can take that to be the Godhead if you want to. That's fine. God is revealed to us in three different ways. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the fact being they rebelled against the Lord. And now they're going to tell you why. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. We've already mentioned Legion, so I'll make a point with him to keep it closer. Legion lived among the dead people in the graveyard. He was bound with fetters and chains. He was bound to death. He was bound in the nature of man. He was insane, if you please. He was bound by nature itself and sin and death. 
He'd broken all the fetters of the law and the chains of the law. These people say, let us break their bands asunder. We don't want to obey the laws of God. We don't want to justify God. We're of Abraham. And we keep the law of Moses. It's not about the law. It's not about Abraham. It's about the fulfilled law, the Creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Let us not be bound by the rule of Moses' law. Let us not be bound by the Scripture. Let us not be bound or controlled. They didn't like being in the bondage of the Roman army. They did not like being in the bondage of the law of God. The Romans especially didn't. They had nothing to do with it. For they answered to Caesar. They're rebelling against God, desiring to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it Psalm 41? I have to go the other way for that. Psalm 41. Blessed is he that considereth the poor already to get there. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed his sickness. This is all talking about Christ. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. This is David speaking. This is a type of Christ. A type is not exact. But it's pointing to Christ. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die? That's what they said of Christ. And his name perish. As for this man Christ, crucify him. Release unto us Barabbas. They sought to kill the Lord Jesus Christ in a rabid frenzy, taking Him up from the judgment of the people, from the judgment of the Gentiles, delivering up to be crucified upon the cross of Calvary. And God suffered this to be, and God overruled it. For God is more wise than any and more powerful than any. And God through this saved His people from their sins through the Lamb of God who laid His life down and raised it up again. And if he come to see me, let me go. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now watch this. <laughs> read, read the, the Gospels. See how every time he appeared, there was a self-righteous zealot, a Pharisee, a scribe, a Sadducee. Well, there's a sad shape. Didn't he believe in the resurrection of the dead? All rebelling against the Lord's Christ. In vanity. There's no chance. There's no hope of rebelling against Christ. They sought to stone Him. <coughs> they sought to kill Him. And in the power of God, He disappeared from their midst. Where did He go? until the time that God had ordained that He would lay His life down. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. (coughs) 
understand God sits upon the circumference of the earth. The earth is round. Understand that God is in the heavens and His ways are higher than our ways as the heavens are above the earth. What we see in Scripture with all their evil, all their vanity, all their hatred of the nature of the natural man, all of that seemed to His disciples to be the end of it all. When He was crucified, they wept. Peter said, I'll go to death with thee. Well, we know how that turned out. Denied Him three times. And then went out and wept bitterly because God gave him repentance. They mourned. Then the stones rolled away and He's gone. They've taken His body. Think about how we live today. We fret. We worry. What's going to happen tomorrow in this great country? What's going to happen in our government? What's going to happen with this disease and all the evil and all the turmoil and all the wickedness of the world of sin and Satan and the devils in hell? What's the Bible say? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. When they come to take the Christ from the garden and Judas betrayed Him with a kiss and Peter smote the ear of Malchus, Malchus, cut his ear off and the Lord returned his ear to his head and said, put up thy sword, live by the sword, then you're going to die by the sword. He made a statement. He said, if I prayed my Father, He would presently, right now, Give me 12 legions of angels. We read in the Old Testament where one angel God sent to Jerusalem because David numbered the people and this ought to teach us something by worrying about how many numbers we have in the church. Our concern should be to glorify God in heaven by being separate from the ways of the world and assembling in the kingdom to worship Christ and glorify in His name. But one angel would have totally destroyed the whole city of Jerusalem had God not had mercy. Now Christ said, if I prayed, He'd give me 12 legions of angels. God does not need anything. God drove them out of Canaan with bees and hornets and caused the Philistines to have hemorrhoids. Things. God is a God of means. God does not need the things we mean, that we need. While we fret, while we worry, take this example and learn this truth that if all these people who hated the Christ of God, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, God manifests in the flesh. Of all these people and all they did, and nailing him to the cross of Calvary, God raised him up. God raised him up. God suffered him to die. Not fighting with the sword. He laid his life down. He came obedient to the death of the cross. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. I see that 
Just, just, just. I think about God looking down on the fools of mankind wandering around, rabid, foaming at the mouth, wanting to kill the Lord, wanting to destroy the church, wanting to destroy God's people. Satan cannot defeat the Lord. Nothing, nothing is greater than God. He speaks and it is done. He spoke and the world out of nothing came forth. And this man who is not born the Son of God, he was made the Son of God. The Bible doesn't say he became or he was born that way. We'll get into that in a moment. He was made the Son of God. He was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. Now we'll get into that in just a moment. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, for the Lord shall have them in derision. Their own works upon their head. Many places in the Old Testament we see where the enemies of God's people fell upon their own sword. Gideon's one place fell upon their own sword. Their own works destroyed them. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath. This pertains primarily to the destructive Jerusalem. We could just like in the book of Revelation relay it to every day because every time evil pops up, it's God suffers it to go just thus far and God raises it up in anger and God will shut it down or God will destroy them or God will vex them in His wrath and His sore displeasure. This is pertaining to the people that crucified the Lord of glory. This is pertaining to the destruction. First of all, not the destruction of the law, for the law was not destroyed. The law was fulfilled. Everything we see by faith prophesied of, given us by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Writ, fulfilled. The city of Jerusalem... And that temple and all that was there was totally destroyed and raised to the ground. R-A-Z-E-D, raised all the way down. Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore displeasure. Those who said, Let His blood be upon us and upon our children, crucify Christ, release unto us Barabbas, they paid a heavy debt in the destruction of the city. Now watch this. Watch this. Even though the Lord was crucified, even though He was betrayed, even though His own forsook Him and fled, even though His body was laying in the ground, it didn't see corruption. Acts chapter 4, I believe. Talked about some of this not too long ago. Not too long ago. Why did the heathen rage? This is Acts 4, 25. And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. 
For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. All foreknown of God and life ordained in Christ. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. He's always been king of kings. He's always been lord of lords. He was not made that way. He did not become that way. He is the living word of God, the second person of the Godhead. He is how God manifests himself to us. Adam saw him pre-incarnate in the garden. Abraham saw him pre-incarnate in Genesis 18. We see him incarnate, sacrificed. Holes in his hand, holes in his feet, a hole through his side, a crown of righteousness upon his head, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we see it by faith. One day we'll see him as he is. But my point with all that is saying, I have set my king. I have placed this man, the living word of God, who was, what's the word? Made flesh. Upon my holy hill of Zion. He is our Lord. He's our King. He's the King of kings. He rules over us with a rod of iron. He reigns over us with the Spirit of God. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my Son. This day have I begotten thee. We can go to Luke and we can see where the Lord was born into the world and the multitude of the heavenly host was there praising God. That's not what He's talking about. Christ does not have a beginning. He's eternal. He was made flesh when the Spirit of God overpowered Mary and she conceived the Spirit of God. But that's not the birth He's talking about. Acts 13, I'll start in the middle, talking about Jesus Christ. But God raised Him from the dead. That's what He's talking about. I have declared the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. I have two sons that were born from my wife's womb. They are our seed. There was no beginning of Christ. Children are beginning. They have a beginning in the womb. They come from forth from the womb to life and walk through this world. Christ has no beginning. He was made flesh. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about the resurrection from the dead. Acts 13. And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, verse 32, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that He hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee. From death. The first begotten. From death. Well, what about Elijah? Carried up in the heavens. What about these others? They may, they were taken up. We see Lazarus 
called forth from the tomb. But Christ did not suffer, was not suffered to see corruption. He saved, He brought His body, His body forth from the tomb. He brought His body forth from death. In that, here's the difference. In that, He brought us forth from death with Him. He's the first begotten from the dead. Dead to God, no more. Dead to sin, no more. Oh, our body's going to be laid down because the wages of sin are death, and we've got to die unless we're alive. When the Lord returns and those that are alive and remain shall be chained and caught up with those that are dead and raised up. This is spiritually speaking of Him being the first begotten from the dead. He laid His life down for us. He raised it up for us. He brought us with Him. And this day, this day, the death, burial, resurrection of the Son of God, have I begotten thee. And it's concerning that He raised Him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said, on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he also saith in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That's not talking about sin. That's just saying his body was not in the grave long enough to begin to decay. For David, after he had saved his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. His body decayed. But he whom God raised again, Christ, Saw not corruption. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I butchered Romans 1 a moment ago. Let me see if I can find it quickly. Verse 3. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which is made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. God raised Him from the dead. I have declared the decree. This is my Son. This is the King of Zion. This is the King of glory. This is the Christ of God. This is Jehovah manifest in the flesh. He has defeated death. It exists no more. Child of God. Ask of me. Let me tell you something. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Godhead are perfect in union Wisdom, power, deity, all things. But we have Father, we have Son, we have Holy Ghost. In respect given from a son to a father or a father to a son, ask of me. It didn't have to be asked for the sake of God. But he says, ask of me, as a father would to a son, say, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. God's elect, 
among the Gentiles from the four corners of the earth, dead in sin, dead to God by their nature, without God in the world by their nature. I'll give thee them for thine inheritance. This is the inheritance of the Son. He died for everyone the Father gave him. He will raise up everyone the Father gave him. Nothing can stop that. Nothing can change that. Let the world be the wicked world. Let it run its course. Remember what we covered in Revelation the last few times. Let the wicked be wicked. Let the righteous be righteous. You're not going to change that. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Matthew 24. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen, God's elect among the Gentiles, for thine inheritance. And the uttermost parts of the earth, all over the world, every people, every tongue, for thy possession. The Father gave them to Him. He died for them. He redeemed them. They belong to Him. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Back to the kings and the people. We could go to the text on pottery and look at that. I'm not going to take the time. But a pot's made from the earth. It would be formed. It would be clay. They're very fragile and very easy to break. Kind of reminds you of our life, doesn't it? Just a vapor, a mist here a moment. Fragile, easy to shatter it, easy to kill it. Were it not for the grace of God, that would such be the case. A rod of iron. Well, this is teaching us a rod of iron taking an earthen vessel and beating it slapped to pieces. It can't be formed. It can't hold water. It can't hold coals. It can do nothing because it's destroyed. This is the judgment that God had on those who delivered up the Christ after rejecting Him. Kings and rulers. Then He says... Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Thought comes to my mind, of course, Pilate did not yield, but I remember when I read a book on the history of Pilate years ago, his wife had had a dream and seen Christ riding upon the clouds in the sky. We can see that in Exodus 24 where he did, does just exactly that on a paved sapphire, a sapphire pavement. <clears throat> she told Pilate, I have nothing to do with this man. I've seen him riding the winds of heaven. There's a warning, is it not? Be wise. These kings rebelled against God in that day, and they were utterly destroyed. What is he saying? Be wise now, therefore. God said, I set it up, kings. I take it down, kings. I raise kings. I take down kings. We have kings over us today. 
We have men over different nations set there in the form of government which God ordained to control evil and wickedness and be a terror to evil. Be wise. Even the wicked, just as Satan, knows that when you disobey what God says to do, you're going to suffer. Period. Every sin is against God. For every sin, there's a recompense. What is he saying here? Kings, kings, Reign in righteousness. Reign over the people. Be a terror to evil. Well, they need to hear that today, don't they? Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. I'm going to tell you something. No one can know God without God manifesting Himself to them. And that can only come in Christ. The wicked are not known to know God. It's not given to them to know God. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, for he spiritually discerned. Neither can he. He cannot. It's not given to him. But the every living man and woman is going to be held responsible, whether temporally or eternally or both, for disobeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 teaches us that. Those who have obeyed not the gospel, the wicked. So what is he saying? Serve the Lord with fear. Now, the devils believe and tremble. There's a fear of death. There's a fear of punishment. There's a fear of everlasting banishment from God. God's people, born of the Spirit of God, by the hand of God, by the choice of God, in the work of Christ, for the purpose of God, that Christ be glorified, have a reverential fear of God. We reverence God in fear. He is the Creator of heaven and earth. Sin cannot exist before Him. Our God is a consuming fire. It consumes all wickedness. Yet we stand before Him in grace and in mercy and in a love which I do not believe we will ever be able to fully understand, not even when we stand in His presence in awe of the Son of God as the King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't think we'll ever understand it completely. We have a reverential fear that God would be holy and just if He destroyed us all. But in His love and mercy, which we bask in His glory and have our glory of our own, which God glorifies us, serve the Lord with fear. A wicked king should serve the Lord in a way of knowing that if you hurt my people, if you rebel against me, your day is coming. And it will be terrible. And I'll tell you something else. 
This is not just God the Father. The Lamb of God has wrath also. We'll get to that in a moment. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice. You ever rejoice when you're afraid? There's only one time, there's only one way when we fear God and keep His commandments. When we fear God in a reverential fear, His great glory and His, 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 His power and His grace. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And he closes this out with this. Kiss the Son. In prior days and perhaps even now in some places on the earth, the king would be kissed when greeted. He may be kissed on the cheek or the face by another person in authority. He may have a servant, and we are servants of God, fall before Him and kiss His feet. That was tradition. That was what was done. What does He tell us? Kiss the Son. Kiss the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Fall before His feet. I think about that sometimes and was last night. I'm not worthy to kiss His face or His hand if I might just fall at His feet and kiss His feet. Lord, what a blessing. Kiss the Son. Lest He be angry. This is talking about Christ. And ye perish from the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. But a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Why aren't we blessed? Because we put our trust in Christ. Why aren't we blessed? Because God worked to work in us. Let's take this as a learning point in a daily living. Now that's talking about the time of the crucifixion of the Son of God and all the forces of evil against Him. And the Lord laughed at Him. We see a whole nation, a whole world taken up today with this awful disease that Satan has sprung upon us. We see rulers wanting to fight and kill entire nations. We see forces of darkness and Islam and other things persecuting Christians daily, killing them. Killing Christians in China. You own a book, a Bible, you go to jail. North Korea is even worse than that. What little things you can see that those who are martyred are able to give to us. Well, let's bear this in mind. God delivers His people. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. When a child of God dies, He's in heaven in immortal glory instantly. There's no delay. There's no waiting period. It's, it's instant. It's now. Shut my eyes here. Open them in glory. Breathe out here. Breathe in in glory. 
in the presence of Christ. Those that are persecuted, those that are murdered in the womb, all the ones that are killed for the sake of Christ are with Him. Period. God delivers. They kill Christ. They kill God's people because they hate Christ. The Lord sits in the heavens. The Lord laughs at these fools. Evil. I say fool biblically. There's no fear of God in His eyes, in His heart. He says there is no God. That's what a fool is, biblically speaking. Psalm 14, I believe. The Lord works it all. The Lord is sovereign. And He told us how. In the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God. 